Welcome to the Springs Church Podcast, where we explore the teachings of Jesus Christ and how they can be applied to our daily lives. Join us as we delve into the Bible and discuss topics such as faith, hope, love, and forgiveness. Our mission is to inspire and empower our listeners to live a life of purpose and meaning and to deepen their relationship with God. Tune in every week for a new episode as we learn how Holy Spirit, the Bible, and a relationship with Jesus will impact every area of your life. How many brought your Bibles this morning? (laughs) Awesome. So good to bring the Word with you physically or on your phone. I know you can search it, so that's great as long as you're opening it and searching it and following along. So it's good. Um, How many were here Mother's Day? Cool. Just gives me an idea. Okay, awesome. So I spoke a message in Winnipeg that day um, all about family, all about what God's Word says about training yourself and then training your children and raising them up in the way that God has given us in His Word, which is so much better than anything we could ever come up with on ourselves. And um, just this beautiful relationship between us and God and us and our kids and them and God. And I you know, wanted to kind of spiral a little bit off of what I spoke on two weeks ago. So you don't have to have heard it to understand today's message, but I encourage you to go back to the app or the website. Um, And listen, if you weren't here Mother's Day, because it was a great message. It was something that God's been dealing with me and my household and just learning how, how do we be Christians? I mean, it's one thing to say you're a Christian, but how do you actually live like one? Because there are many Christians who have said they're a Christian and have not lived like one, which has caused many people who are not Christians to be like, I don't want to be a Christian. Right? So how do we actually walk out choosing life, choosing the good life, the life that God prepared for us? It involves some major activity on our part. (laughs) I know some Christians like to be lazy, and man, Proverbs has a lot to say for us when we are lazy. It gives us a good kick in the butt. Um, But, you know, when we seek life and we seek all that God has for us, man, People, the word says people should see the fruit of your life, your choices, you walking the word out, and they should say, wow, you're not perfect, but like God's, God must be real. Like we're not talking about perfect people here. Don't get me wrong. Um, Deuteronomy 30:19 says, God says, I have set before you life and death, the blessings and the curses. Therefore, what kind of a God is he? Choose life. (laughs) He is a God of life, not death. And he makes it real simple. Choose life that you and your descendants may live. God cares about not only you, but your descendants. He is a generational God. We should be a generational people. It means the choices we make affects our kids. That's what this verse is teaching us. Every decision we make, every choice we make, if we choose life, our descendants will live. What a promise. What a motivation to choose life. I want my children to see life. I want their children to see and know life. And so he sets that great foundation of choose it. So what does this tell us about the very nature of God? God made you to live, to live. Religion preaches all kinds of things that are really not in the Bible. Religion screws up a lot of people but God made you to live. You cannot say in the same breath, God is good, and well, God God took my child. 
or God took my dad to heaven. No, that's not what our Bible says. And I'm going to get to that. (laughs) Because if you're really going to choose life, you have to choose the word above all beliefs, above all emotions, above all preconceived ideas. Because a lot of the things we think, a lot of the patterns and habits we've come to adapt partially weren't really our fault. You know, our childhood, we were very uh, vulnerable and the things and the, and the people and the places that we were subjected to as a child, all layer upon layer, kind of built into us these systems of thinking, these patterns of believing. And I love Pastor Leon's teaching on the fact that we have to, as adults, deal with our BS, our belief systems. You have to, if you are going to see the life of God radiating into every area of your life, when you choose life, it means you're choosing to remove the stuff that you've been believing that's actually death, right? And so we take responsibility. And if you're someone who has thought about someone in your life, well, God must have needed them or taken them. I'm here to tell you that's anti-God, that is anti-word. And when you find something in your heart or your belief system that is not in the word, it's okay. Bible says no shame, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But when you see it, deal with it. When you see it, go, oh, thank God I was wrong because those aren't good feelings. You can't say God is good and that he kills in the same sense. I'm not serving that sick God. That is not what our, what our Bible shows us. That is not what Jesus himself said in John 10.10. 10. A thief has only one thing in mind. This is the Passion Translation. He wants to steal, to slaughter, and destroy. But, and thank God for that but, I have come to give you everything. What a promise. I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. That's the God we serve. You can't say that the God of life, oh, well, but you know, he makes you sick to teach you lessons. That is not what our Bible says. You cannot say, oh, God is for me. He's not against me, but you know, he took my dad to heaven. He took my child to heaven. I don't understand it. No, you do understand it if you were to read the word (laughs) that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And there is such a peace in receiving the truth. That's why the truth brings freedom. And that's why lies bring confusion and misunderstanding. I'm not saying we know all reasons why someone passes, or we know every little thing, but we do know the fundamentals. We do know that God is a good God, that he is a God of life, that his truth brings freedom. So in any area of your life where you feel captive or confused or weighed down or heavy, what are you believing in that area? What have you received as truth, but it's not actually truth? So it's not setting you free. And how beautiful that we have this. (laughs) So in order to walk into the life and the fullness, how good is God? You serve a descriptive, you serve a details kind of God for those of you who are believers in here. He wants to, he could have just said, I've come to give you life. But when you, when you, in different translations of the Bible, whether it's amplified or they're pulling out the Greek, they're showing you the different meaning behind what he meant in the Aramaic when he said it to those people who he is now saying it to us in his word. I've not only come to give you life, but life, it's not like, oh, David gets a little dab of life and Sheila gets a little dab of life and Aaron gets a little, and Eden gets a little bit. No, everyone gets 
everything in abundance more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. So that's the vision. Do you have a vision for your family? Do you have a vision for your health, for your mind, for your emotions, for your marriage, for your future, for your career? The Bible says that where there is no vision, people perish. Proverbs 29, 18. And I looked it up and I thought, oh man, people always leave off the the best part at the end. It's a two-part verse in Proverbs 29, 18. And this is the message translation because you know the if where there's no vision, people perish. And I love to look up verses in different translations. I feel like I get different meanings. I get different pieces and different colors to, to this verse. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. So if you don't receive God's vision, his vision's the best vision because he's the one who made you. He's the one who knows you and he made you because he loves you. So if you don't receive his vision, you end up stumbling all over yourself. I feel like we all can relate to this verse. Can you think of a time in your life, or maybe it's today, or maybe it's a couple days ago, where you just feel like, man, I keep stumbling all over myself. Like, this is just not making sense. All right, well, where is it that I've begun to believe a different vision for my life? Maybe one that my doctor spoke over me, or one that my teacher spoke over me, or one that someone who doesn't serve God but has a really voice in my head. Maybe it's a spouse or a parent or, and what vision have I received? Because if I can't see what God is doing, if I don't keep this in my mind and in my heart, I will stumble all over myself. But you got to love the buts in the Bible. But when you attend to what he reveals, you are most blessed. And what does he reveal? The Bible says he withholds nothing, that there is, that you have the mind of Christ, that the Holy Spirit comes to teach you, to strengthen you, to advocate for you, to show you Christ, to make Christ come alive in you is Holy Spirit's job. And so this isn't a hard job. He says, just attend to what I've revealed in my word, where there's no vision. So what is the vision? I'm gonna ask you a lot of questions today. And these are questions that I'm asking myself as I'm fleshing through this, what does it mean to choose life? How do I actually see the life in every area? How do I keep choosing it and not see death or even myself bring death into certain areas of my family or my life? So we need a vision. What's your vision? If you're taking notes, good question to ask yourself. Joshua 24, 15, we touched on it on Mother's Day. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You get to choose. Will. It shows that, that intention that, well, what, what will I do? I will. It's a choice. It's not, well, once everything's figured out and I see everything's perfect, then I'm going to serve God. No, I'm going to learn about him and go, oh my goodness, nobody else offers me anything anywhere close to what my God who made me, who loves me, who designed me, who has a plan and a purpose that is good for me. I got to believe this stuff because when you look at the world, they are not, they're not doing too well. (laughs) When you look at the world and what they think is life and oh, do they come in and try to be like, well, is, is what you have really life? Like, look what we have. Look, you know, if you just accept and you do this and, you know, if you think of it this way and, but then you see where their choices lead them. It's not hard to see where the world leads them. But yet, because we live in this world and we're not of this world, 
If we're not careful, if we're not making that choice, I will serve the Lord. So what does it look like to serve the Lord in your home? What does it look like to serve the Lord in your career and in your mind and in your body? Because he literally means it for every area. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Every single area the love of God can touch and change and make whole if you bring it there. If you believe it there, if you believe the love of God is for me, for wholeness in every area, for my relationships, for my creativity, for my desires, for my expectations. So in everything, do we attend to what he wants to reveal to us in his word and by his spirit, which when you believe on Jesus, his spirit comes to dwell in you and where you go, God goes. That's why he can confidently say, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. Because if you receive me, if you confess Jesus is your savior, you realize, man, the way I'm living in sin, it's leading to death. I need this amazing savior, Jesus, and I want to live the abundant life. And then God's spirit comes into you, you become a new creation, the word says, and now wherever you go, he goes. But often we forget. We wake up in the morning and we forget God is with us. We, you know, go into a... a, maybe an argument or a situation that's really overwhelming and it hurts and we forget, wait, 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 Eden. God is with me, Holy Spirit is here. I don't need to do this in my own striving, in my own mind, in my, I have to surrender. I have to live and attend to what he's revealing. And as we train ourselves in these habits, as we choose to serve the Lord, and what does that look like? And what do I need to change in my home? And what do I need to change with my habits, maybe of eating or or, or what I watch or what I read, when I choose to serve the Lord and I bring him into everything, incredible things take place, life. You begin to see life in abundance as you choose it. God can't choose it for you. He made it very clear in Deuteronomy. I set before you, now you have to choose. God can't say, well, Eden's gonna serve me. <laughs> I have to say, Me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's my choice and it's my ability and responsibility to walk that out, but I'm never alone. He's always with me, equipping me. It's not in my strength. Seriously, God's a genius. Like, it's not in my strength. It's his spirit. It's his power. It's his might. It's his joy. And all I have to do is keep choosing it. No, this makes way more sense than what the world calls joy or what the, I don't even know, the world doesn't even have joy. Let's be really honest here, right? God is the maker of joy. So whatever is not of God is death. It's stealing, killing, and destroying. And when you can begin to see it for what it is, you go, whoa, I don't want that no more. I want God and his fullness and I wanna bring that into my home. I wanna show my kids. I wanna transform my marriage. I wanna change the way I'm, I'm walking through an addiction maybe. God can help you and can set you free from anything and everything that you bring his vision into, that you bring his word into. Bring him into your home. We talked about this on Mother's Day and I loved it. I just loved this analogy. Set up a bedroom for Jesus. It didn't mean it literally, but that's the way you should think of him. You know, behold, I stand at the door and knock and when you let me in, I'll come eat with you. Well, he doesn't just wanna like visit. He wants to like stay and habitate and, and, and do life and show you and lead you. And when we think about that, it should change 
every conversation we have with our spouse, every conversation, well, let's start, we have with ourselves. <laughs> let's start where it matters most. Every conversation we have with ourselves, then every conversation we have with our spouse, then every conversation, I'm not kidding you, every conversation I try to think about, how can I teach my kids about the goodness of God? What would God say about this situation? What does the word say about fighting or kindness? Or what does the word say about how we eat or how we act? Because this is who God made us to be and Jesus came to give it to me in abundance. So am I choosing it in all things? Because I can. And if I don't know, I can learn. If I don't know what it is, the abundance, the overflow, what life really is, I can learn by his spirit, by his word, by coming to church on a Sunday like you guys are and hearing the word and receiving it. Don't just sit there and be like, oh, this is so personal. It has your name on it. That's why if you hear me in the crowd, I wanna encourage Springs Church. You start speaking back to us. If you hear something that we say, and it just connects with you and you wanna receive it, your mouth needs to say, thank you, Jesus. Yes, amen, I believe that, I receive that. That's why you hear me saying that. Yes, I was raised in church from a young age, but when, when you hear truth and you're like, yeah, that's mine. I don't even know how it's all gonna happen, but yeah, I choose that, I believe that. You go ahead because it, it's, this, is a, this is a dialogue, you know, this is, <laughs> this is our spirits learning the word together and encouraging and building each other up. So how do we serve the Lord? Bring Jesus into your home. What is the culture of your home? Question for you to write down. I know some of you might be scared to answer these questions. I was too. To really just face the answer to the question, but it brings freedom. Where you're willing to face the things that you know, oh, I need to change that. And I've been putting it off. And deep down, you know, I've maybe had one conversation with my spouse about this. Or oh, I know I need to change how I'm talking to my kid here. And, it just, and maybe fears have held you back or what, or what maybe your neighbors will think have held you back from different decisions you're making. I don't know. But what is the culture of your home? Is it a culture of life? Or is it a culture that copies the world? <laughs> And when we look at our home and go, what is the culture? I was at a conference this weekend and I loved how they defined culture in one of the workshops. Culture is a reflection of what we worship. Culture, if we look at the world, we sure know what they worship and who they worship. Culture in our home, who are we worshiping in our home? And is it felt in the culture of our home and how we tend or care for the world around us? So culture is a reflection of what or who we worship and how we tend or care for the world around us. Do our homes reflect truth, the truth, and beauty informed by God's word? Or is it the lies and the destruction from the world? Because the cool thing is we get to set the culture in our home. No one can come in and tell us how we build our home, how we talk to our kids, how we, how we um, sort through our emotions and how we build this relationship with God and let him come in and transform us. So the word of God will transform the culture in your home. As you allow it to transform your mind, like Romans 12, 2, you don't conform yourself. Again, choices. I don't conform. I will not be conformed. That's my choice. And how am I going to walk out that choice? I'm probably going to have to make changes. Today's message isn't super spiritual. It's very practical. I mean, it's got the word, but what I'm trying to drive home is there's actual physical choices you need to make every day. There's changes. There's thoughts that you need to act on. 
And God is waiting for you to do that because he can't do it for you. And when you realize, man, he's for me, I can do this. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't I want to change the culture of my home? And maybe your culture has truth and beauty in certain areas of your home. And then you're like, man, this other area, it really just needs to, I need to beef up this area with truth. Well, beautiful. Go to God and ask him, because what does James say? When you ask the Lord for wisdom, he gives it liberally. You'll start getting ideas that you think are your ideas, but as you start walking them out and talking about them with your spouse, if you're married, hey, I think we need to do this around bedtime. I think this is just too much for little Johnny, and we need to change this with the diet or da-da, da-da-da-da-da. God cares about all those little things. And when you ask him for wisdom, he'll give you ideas but you can't just sit on those ideas. You gotta try them out. You gotta make changes. You gotta go, I think we need to date more, honey. Let's make that a priority. God can't make me and my husband date more. We have to sit down and make the decision to make it a priority, put it in the calendar. But in those little moments, those little choices, we're choosing life. We're choosing our marriage. We're choosing what God told us to make a priority. And so the spiritual actually becomes very practical and very necessary for us to walk it out. Why did I think I'd get through all my notes? (laughs) Um, I've said it before, the world has nothing to give you. Like you don't owe the world nothing and everything it wants to take from you. The world wants to take your kids. The world wants to take your religion. The world wants to take your common sense, your wealth, your land. Let's just be real. The world is not for you and it wants to take everything from you, yet we turn it on the TV and watch it for hours a day. Yet we do that instead of maybe reading the scripture or going for a walk with the kids or, and hey, I've done this too. I'm preaching to myself too. So, you know, I've begun to realize what am I taking in? What am I consuming? Because the world wants to consume me. Am I letting the world consume me while trying to to read this, but in my daily actions, in my daily habits, in my daily routine, I'm letting the world have my attention. I'm letting the world consume me and do what it wants me to do and what the doctor says, well, this is probably the best thing for your health. And, but what does God say about my health? What does he have for me? And not only in the word, what is he saying to my heart as I seek him and ask him for help and wisdom? Because this is a personal relationship. This isn't just a relationship with a book. This book is more than a book, it is his spirit, it is his power, it is his energy. But then there's a personal relationship that takes place in my spirit and it all interacts together and it's the most beautiful experience when we choose it, when we draw upon it like nothing else matters. This is the only thing that matters. The world will never give me what Jesus has already given me. So what are you giving yourself to? What are you allowing to consume you? I love that verse. Zeal for your house has consumed me. That's the way it should be. Zeal for God's house. Zeal for life and his spirit and his goodness and health and wealth and joy and peace and patience. When you learn about the spirit of God, you were just like, yeah, no, I've never seen that in the world. Why would I even think that to, to go after the patterns of this world, but sometimes it just happens slowly. I understand that. It's not like we intentionally go after the world's way of living, but we have to step back and go, oh, hang on a second. 
Did I actually choose this in this area of my life? Did I actually choose this when it comes to how I teach my kids about their emotions or their thoughts? Am I just using logic or am I using the word? Because the word has a lot of logic. The word is where you find your logic. The word is where you find your wisdom and your truth and your direction of where to go. So when you know that you are a child of God, because we talked about this Mother's Day, you are first God's child before you can raise your child or grandchildren or nieces, nephews. We all have impact on each other. When you know you are a child of God, it should change what you believe. It should change how you think. And thank you, Jesus, that it does. Because how many of us want to bring in the negative, toxic <laughs> uh, thoughts that have plagued us before Jesus? We don't want that. That's not a symbol of life, that is a symbol of death. And so when we recognize and we go, yes, I'm a child of God, it should change how you think. It should change how you act. Yes, how you act is your choice. When you know I'm a child of God, I need to decide, oh, I can't act like this anymore. I can't keep flying off the handle like I have been. The Lord says I can be angry, but not sin when I'm angry. The Lord says a soft answer turns away wrath. I can't yell back at someone who's yelling at me. The Bible's screaming at me with wisdom. The Bible says wisdom cries aloud in the streets. It's not hard to get wisdom. When you start seeking it, it just wants to pour itself into your heart and mind. And so in each situation, you go, where do I need to stop acting like a fool? Where do I need to stop acting like I'm not a child of God? Because how would a child of God see this? How would a child of God believe this or feel this? Or how would I respond? You know, before becoming a child of God, I reacted a lot. I, you know, and when you realize I'm a child of God, he loves me, he made me, I can go after the vision he has for my family, it should change how you think, how you react, how you behave. Those are your responsibilities, not God's. God will help you. Oh man, are we blessed. God will be the one who makes the change, but involves your will. I will serve the Lord. I will choose life. I will bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And I will not forget his benefits. God has no control over your will. None. It's not scriptural. You have to choose God and in choosing him and surrendering to him, now he can come in and help you change how you think, change how you believe, and it all leads to life. It all leads to goodness. It all leads to overflowing and bringing wholeness to your marriage, wholeness to your emotions. This is the good news. This is why it's good news, because this life isn't for suffering. This life isn't for... Yes, thank you, Jesus. That's why it's the good news, because it's so beyond anything you could come up with yourself. You have a Savior who loves you, who's given you everything you need for life, and when you choose I'm a child of God, it changes what used to frustrate you. Do you laugh at some of the things that used to frustrate you like five years ago? Like we do, right? Like I laugh at some of the things that I thought were hard five years ago. Like really, right? A little bit of perspective goes a long way. And so bring that with you into today. Man, I think back to my past and I go, the things I allowed to frustrate me, man, was I foolish. 
So bring that perspective into today. What's frustrating me today? Well, what does God say about that? I don't need to carry it. The, world's, the world wants me to be so heavy. Why do you think they fill your TV with just trauma? And like, look, look at all the bad things that are happening all over the world. You can't carry that. You were never designed to carry everyone's cares and everyone's, yes, we pray for them. Yes, we help and serve like the word says. We care for the orphans. We care for the widows. But it's not, your, you're not God. <laughs> you're not supposed to carry every care of the world. But yet, why do we do that? Why do we carry every single care for our child, for our spouse, for ourselves? when the Bible says over and over again, I have a rest for you. Come, come to me, all you who are heavy burdened and who are burnt out on religion, the message translation says, and come to me because I'm the God who loves you and who wants to have a relationship. And in having a relationship, in you choosing to put that relationship, you're gonna find rest. You're gonna wanna let go of the things you're carrying because it'd be like, what? why am I carrying that? When God wants to carry it and he wants to show me how to live in freedom and peace and joy, but it starts with your will, your choices. Colossians 3.16, let the word spoken by Christ the Messiah have its home in your hearts and minds and dwell in you in all its richness. You're gonna see this word in scripture a lot, let. That means your will your choice. God cannot just read the whole Bible to you. You have to read it. You have to let the word come in. You have to open your heart, even in your nervousness, like, oh man, is this going to work? Just jump all in is all I can say, because I have, so many of us here have never regretted jumping all in. And we're not saying we figured it out, but we know, okay, I want to let this word come in and dwell. And where it's not dwelling, I need to bring it in. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. There's just goodness and life. But I have to keep letting the word spoken by Christ have its home. What's a home? It's a place you throw your socks off in the corner. It's a place where you eat and you have garbage and you rest and you play and you laugh and you gather as a family. It's a place where everything happens. You're supposed to bring the word and make it your, it's home in your heart. It never leaves your heart and your mind is what the word is saying. The Bible, it eats, lives, sleeps, breathes. It's with you every beat of your heart. If you choose it, if you let it have a home in your heart and it's, it's richness. I love that in all of its rich, richness. Then it says, as you teach, yeah, I'm not saying you're gonna preach next week, but as you teach and admonish and train one another, so don't just let it have your home, it's home in your heart. Now you're supposed to speak it to your spouse. You're supposed to go, hey, honey, I was reading about peace and this is what God says. And what do you think about that? And you're supposed to teach it to each other and admonish it. If you don't let it come out your mouth, this word was meant to be overflowing, not just like he said in John 10, 10, it, it's life and life that overflows. The word overflows out of you. That's how you know you're starting to choose it more than anything else. Because my husband says to me, Eden, would you stop preaching at me at home? <laughs> like you get to the place where it's like all you want to talk about. You're like, but, but this is the only thing that makes sense. But look what God says about this or about that. And, and he does the same with me. Eden, I was reading about this. And you, you give each other grace when you're not in the mood to, you know, you got to read the times a little bit, right? So I'm getting better at that. But um, even with my kids, hey, 
guys, guess what God just spoke to me about his word. Guess what mom was reading? And then I try to break it down for their age level and teach them what God says about being kind or about how God's always with us. And then I find that they teach it back to me as I keep teaching it and admonishing it. This is the way God made it to work. You receive it and then you speak it about it with your neighbors, about it with people at work. There's ways to talk about God and not sound religious or like a fool. uh, Dad talked about being spirit contemporary, knowing that your purpose, your passion, your life, it comes from the spirit of God. Knowing that it's real. Every area I bring the spirit into, it'll change. But I am contemporary because Jesus drew crowds. I was reading in one scripture, the entire town came to see him. The entire city came to see and hear from Jesus. And I went, whoa, like this guy, people liked. And they weren't, They weren't spiritual people. They were just all kinds of people. So the Bible says you can grow in favor with man and that God will give you the right words and that as you learn the word, there should be a way that you can teach it to even a non-believer and go, I've just been learning a bit about Jesus and following some of the principles in the Bible and I'm actually finding like me and my husband are happier. Like literally, you could just say something like that where it's not super, I don't know, like you're trying to be all high and mighty, because no one likes that anyways. The Pharisees were like that, and Jesus had a lot to say to the Pharisees, and not good stuff. So it's in this humbling yourself to God and knowing, yeah, man, I know, I couldn't, uh, I'm not the one who saved my marriage. Look at what, there's no way I could have done that in my own, in my own brain. I started reading the Bible. I started going to church with my kids, and I don't know what to tell you. It's just changing things, because we don't actually understand how God does it, but he does it as we choose it, and as we will to serve the Lord, as we will We're gonna choose life, guys. This is why we're not going to that movie tonight. And I don't care if you hate mom, but I read the review and no. You you choose life over what your kids feel about you, over what what, you know, there's gonna be disappointments sometimes, but as they get older, they'll go, oh, thanks, mom. (laughs) Like as you continue in the way of the word, as you continue in the way of truth, it will start to make sense and God will minister to those little hearts. I see it in my five and three-year-old. I see it already. So I just get excited for what God's gonna continue to show to them as I dare to teach them what I'm learning in God's word. For the word to work, you've gotta work the word. For the word to work in your life, you have got to work the word. Now I'm not talking about striving and like works, like religion would talk about, but there's a reason why a lot of Bible verses say let and do not and do. God can't do those things for you. You do them through his spirit. So you're not alone, but you have to make that choice to go, all right, big gulp. I might, not, I might have a little bit of worries or fears about this, but he says, do not let your heart be troubled. So, okay, Lord, no, I'm not, not choosing stress. And when it starts to creep up, nope, nope. God is for me. He's not against me. My mind is at peace. I have the mind of Christ, the word says. And you start teaching yourself the word because your heart needs to hear it when you're in those moments. And you keep it in your home. You keep speaking it. You keep living it. You give it a place. You dwell in it. I got to skip a bunch of stuff. Um, How do I close this? I heard someone say in a live Instagram recently, one ounce of obedience outweighs all the prayer in the world. I went, man, that's good. You could sit around praying all day long, 
But if you ain't doing it, (laughs) if you ain't doing what God has already said, hey, daughter of God, we are people of love. You love the Lord your God with all your heart, and then you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Am I choosing love right now? Hey, daughter of God, we forgive quickly. Hey, son of God, a soft answer turns away wrath. When we take our will and we say, no mind, no body, you will serve the Lord. My mind, my body, you are not in control. My spirit comes first. And it's a bit of a, uh, maybe a little bit of effort from your part in the beginning, depending what area of life that you have yet to be transformed by the word. But it's not hard and it's not impossible because with God, all things are possible. (laughs) And when you believe, you receive it, the word says. So this incredible thing of believing the word and then choosing to do it is transformational. And the word says it all through it. When you listen to my word, when you heed my word, and I'll leave you with James 1, and I want to encourage you to read it throughout this week. Oh, maybe just the whole book of James, because I have... um, It's like four or five chapters. I know you're laughing, but you could read the whole thing this week, a chapter a day. Um, And uh, James 1 says, This is why we abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct. What do we do? We abandon it. What does an abandoned house look like? Like there are no signs of life. You abandon everything that you realize that you're doing that is impure or that is wicked in conduct. How do you find out what those things are? By knowing the word. Instead, with a sensitive spirit, we absorb God's word, which has been implanted within our nature. How has it been implanted within our nature? Well, he spoke us into existence. The the word of God is what created man. So the word of God is part of our DNA because he spoke us into existence. That's the beautiful thing. And even God says, I've planted eternity in the hearts of every man. Every man knows they are in need, but we got to help them see that it's Jesus they need. It says, for the word of life has the power to continually deliver you. Amen. The word of life has the power to continually deliver you. That means he doesn't want you walking in frustration or sadness or depression or sickness or disease. So why are you choosing to stay there? Why are you choosing death when you should be as a daughter or son of God choosing life? And I preach this that myself when I need it. Like Eden, choose life. We don't choose sickness. When Jesus has healed you, that's where you live. That's where you believe. That's where you... So don't just listen to the word of truth. James says, and not respond to it. So here God says it himself. The Bible needs a response from you. For that is the essence of self-deception. So always, so on Sundays, let his word become like poetry. (laughs) No, so always, always let the word of God become like poetry written, and I love this, fulfilled by your life. The word should be fulfilled in your living. You should see the word fulfilled in your life. That means health. That means prosperity. That means love and humility and wisdom and forgiveness and kindness and gentleness and self-control. You can fulfill it in your life if you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear. You become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning You perceive how God sees you in the mirror of the word, but then you go out and forget your divine origin. I believe many Christians today have forgotten their divine origin. 
and all it takes is just opening this word to remind themselves. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond. There's that word again. Respond to the truth that they hear. They are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. How incredible. I have to stop because then we'll get too late. But it goes on to say that your words should also be words that, that match this. Otherwise, it will get you in trouble. And just read James this week. Um, and the word, I see it like, I feel like God put in my heart for you this weekend. Ready, set, go. Ready, set, go. You ready yourself by this word. You ready yourself by prayer and asking God for help and his wisdom. You set your gaze deeply into the word and nowhere else. You set it. That means the word tries to, the world tries to come and get your distraction and go, oh yeah, yeah, but uh, Eden, what about this? Yeah, no, no, my, my, my gaze is set here. Let me find out for you actually. <laughs> I'm not gonna try to the world's way to explain to them what they're going through. Yeah, no, I got the answers right here. I'm setting my gaze deeply into the word of God. And yeah, if you wanna know the truth, it'll set you free. So yeah, this is where I've set my gaze. We ready ourselves, we set ourselves here, and then we go, we respond. We do something with the word. How exciting is that? We have something to do. Ready, set, go. That's what I'll leave you with. God, we just thank you for your word. We thank you, God, that you are for us. We thank you that you've given us life. And I just pray that this word would come in and it would encourage, it would admonish, it would point to your beauty and your life. And where there might be shame or condemnation trying to come in, I just say, get off in the name of Jesus. We are daughters and sons of, God's to to, of God to those who believe here today. And we thank you that you are for us, that your word brings us life as we ready ourselves by your word, as we set our gaze in your word. And as we live it out, we go into the world and we teach the gospel and we show those in our lives. We are not perfect, but we serve a perfect father and you should meet him because he'll set your life free as you set your, your mind and your heart on the truth. Just watch. I just thank you, Lord, that we get to be a part of this and that as we walk this out, that your blessing is all over us, Lord, because you love us. And we just thank you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen and amen. So good.